to you. Hi, Julia. Oh, you know what? You know where we're going today? No, I don't. Not yet. Chile? No. Chile, yes. Fantastic. That's how you have to say it. Chile. Chile. You can't say chili because that means that you... Well, that's a... Like a small capsicum, spicy capsicum. A hot capsicum, little number. It? Yeah, yeah. Like, a bit like yourself, Ben. <laughs> now, Chile is a country that goes right down the length of South America's western edge with a stunning 6,000 kilometres of Pacific Ocean coastline. Yeah, amazing, right? Know all that, yeah. Mm. Chile has such a diverse landscape and it's home to so many famous destinations. You're going to tell us about your visit there because you've yeah. been. Yeah. You've got, as you would know, Ben, the Atacama Desert, the Andes Mountains, Easter Island, yeah, isn't that on everybody's bucket mm-hmm. list? And, of course, the national parks in the Patagonia region. Off mm. you go. Yeah, look, a pretty remarkable country. And, I mean, when you look at it on the map, it, it's extraordinary. I mean, it's... Long it's and thin. 4,000 kilometres long and no wider than, I think, 350 kilometres at any it does look a bit like point. a chilli, doesn't it? <laughs> it does, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I wonder if that's where they got the name from. Look, we might have to ask someone, but, <laughs> yes, I, you know, I'm thinking maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, look, an astonishing country um, geographically um, and um, so diverse, as you've described. And, um, the yeah, from, from Patagonia right down in the south, which is an area of astonishing landscapes and kind of muted, earthy colours, enormous sky. You know, you go to those places where the sky feels And strong, huge. strong blue. Yeah, the sky is an amazing colour. Yes. Um, and, and weather that will just turn on a dime. You know, one minute it's gorgeous and the next, uh, you know, a squall comes through. You really feel like, I guess, you're in slightly extreme environment. So is it hot country or cold country? It's Patagonia? cold, yeah. We are is a long it? way south. And yes. uh, I mean, summers are, are, are kind of mild, I guess, but... Um, you're down in a in a part of the world that's got glaciers that you know come sliding down mountains into incredible lakes and wow. um, fjords. It, it, a lot of it feels very European. I spent a couple of days on a. I did a ferry journey from way down south to um, less south, so from Puerto Natales to Puerto Montt in in Chile and. Yeah, you, that journey feels like you're in Norway or somewhere. So just sliding through these very narrow fjords surrounded by, um, you know, clear, enormous cliffs and, and mountains. When you do those trips, Ben, the, the ferry rides in that sort of um, um, uh, area, what is it just amazing? Is it, do you just sit there going, I can't believe what I'm seeing? Yeah, you do, and you do. It's a bit of a pinch me kind of uh, moment um, and just – uh, it feels so different for, you know, for Australians. Uh, look, it's funny when you go to New Zealand, when I go to New Zealand, I go, actually, gosh, this really feels like Southern Chile or parts of South America. It feels like those two places feel much more familiar. But um, as an Australian, if you haven't been to New Zealand and all of a sudden you find yourself in in those fjords in South America, it does feel very, very foreign. So for you, if you were to pick things, Santiago, yeah, um, which is such a lovely name, Santiago, yeah. is um, – City, capital yeah. city. So it's quite a big city. Um, maybe five million people or something like yes. that. We check the numbers, but um, um, and it's at some altitude. It's not a crazy altitude. It's maybe fifteen hundred. Oh no, maybe five hundred meters above sea level or something. Um, and it's in that um, a grand central valley where a lot of the wine comes from. And you'd like this. It's surrounded by ski fields and the mountains. So pretty much everywhere, yep. everywhere you are, wherever you are in Santiago, you can see the um. The Andes on one side, and the, I think the coastal range on the other. And um, yeah, there's something like five ski fields within two hours of, of the city centre in Santiago. So when you're looking at the anti, uh, so when you're looking at the Andes, is it similar to that vision that you have when you look at the Alps in Europe and yeah. the Rocky Mountains in Canada? Very much like that. In fact, I think the Andes are the same mountain range as the Rockies. It just keeps going all the way from South America to North America and oh, feels very, very, um, very familiar. Yeah, very much like that. So for you, Ben, the the outstanding things of being in Chile? Yeah, again, it's um, for me um, some of that sense of being somewhere quite extreme. So uh, Patagonia is astonishingly beautiful. Um, being up in the mountains in a city like Santiago, which is effectively a very modern city surrounded by that incredible landscape, um, there's a beautiful sort of colonial core um, central part of Santiago, which is quite beautiful. Almost every Latin American capital city will have a colonial kind of centre, an old an old part of town, which is beautiful. Um, and again, the wines and the food and that kind of experience almost everywhere you go is is beautiful. 
Give us give us a little verbal portrait of the colours that there are in, in Santiago and Chile as a whole. Right. So I started with those kind of muted uh, colours down in Patagonia and yep. I just, you know, that those kind of strawy colours and then occasionally something extraordinary will happen, like you'll look in a little waterway and there'll be some flamingos there, you know, these kind of bright oh, what patches is that of like? pink. Oh, it's amazing. The flamingos pop up everywhere in South America. It's like like they do in your garden, you know, if you've got a fake a fake flamingo. They're like that in real life. They just in the <laughs> Are most, they as pink? Um yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. Pink, pink. Well, some of them are quite pale and then others have these great flashes of almost a, re- a really rich red in them. And it doesn't matter where you go, whether you're out in the Galapagos Islands or in the Altiplano in Bolivia, you know, the flamingos pop up. They're crazy. So they're almost like a little joke. They just kind of <laughs> are there to make give give you a giggle. So um colours um, in Patagonia are like that. In the Andes, it's all those alpine colours. There are beautiful meadows and, you know, the white of the the snow and the incredible colours of the sky. And um, in the, the old towns very much have that kind of Spanish colonial feel to them. So the architecture is very, very Spanish um, and usually using natural stone, that kind of thing. So, yeah, it's beautiful. So now have you hopped off and gone across to Easter Island? No, that's that's on the bucket list. Isn't it? Now that's what well, we ought to organise that very quickly and go together because yeah. we, it's, it's an absolute, isn't it? Anyone who goes to Easter Island says that they just cannot believe what they're seeing and despite the fact that all the – scientific evidence points to the fact that it was normal, you know, people carried it, blood, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You can't imagine yeah. that, oh, dear me, it it's a, it's a beautiful like, mystery, isn't yeah, it? I think there's probably a few places in on the planet that are like that that make you go, hang on, how on earth yes. did they, did Manage they do that. this? Yeah. Yes. I did have a funny experience. It's not exactly related, but down in um in southern Chile and. Um, Chile. Babe. Chile, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, and at night time, I saw some really weird lights in the sky, like just uh-huh. like things in the sky doing, moving in a way that they shouldn't. Did you ask anybody what it was or had you been imbibing the local up to, I probably wines, had, had you? One, one glass of something. But, yeah, there was, it just felt like there's some weird stuff going on. So maybe. Um, maybe it's connected. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, just felt a bit otherworldly generally, and I'm sure Easter Island feels like that. So, Ben, you know we're always talking about moments. Yeah. Anything in Chile? Yeah, definitely a moment, probably a little different to the kind of moment that we talk about yes. generally. But, uh, yeah, I went to a, a, a big soccer game in Santiago, so two rival teams playing in one of their, their big stadiums. Do you remember whom? Yeah, it was Colo Colo against, um, I think, that one of the university, the, the team's called University, yep. but you know, very much a professional side, and um, just a, just an extraordinary experience to be amongst all those people and to have all that kind of tribalism going on, and um, so many people and lots of security, and you know, a pretty pretty rough stadium, and um, and we we had this moment we were so kind of excited to be there and just be part of it, and the opposition team scored a goal quite early on right in front of us and we just were sort of so swept up in it. We leapt up and cheered (laughs) and there was just crickets. (laughs) There was silence and tumbleweeds all around us and about 5,000 faces all turned to to us and uh, we just, um, you know, we we made it clear we were from Australia and um, and everything was fine. But, yeah, you know, so sport's different in places like that. It can be really, really tribal and uh, I'm really, really glad we went to that game. So not like the AFL where you've got, a hundred thousand people yelling at once. Who, whomever's playing? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They certainly weren't booing the umpires like they do. <laughs> no, they do in the AFL. AFL. But look, an amazing experience and um, something everyone should do um, once in their lifetime. You know, South America on the whole sounds like a really good place to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 again, we sometimes think maybe it's a bit frightening, but it's not that at all, is it? No, I look. I mean, I think a lot of that's perception anyway. It doesn't matter where yes. you go. Um, yes, you're quite you, right. You know, pe- people don't think twice about going to France. You know, getting their kids together and heading off to Paris and or New York or London, and you know, things happen. Things everywhere. Can happen anywhere. So yeah, a lot of that's perception, and um, I certainly had no experiences of any, you know, of any consequence in in all my time in South America. I was there for maybe eight months. So um, How wonderful. Yeah. Well, you know what? We've got some fabulous guests coming to us Great. to talk about Chile today. Fantastic. And what to eat, Excellent. of course, naturally, and what to drink, Ben. That's I'm suspecting it's going to be wine and um, maybe some kind of spirit, you know, Something. some kind of local spirit and, uh, and there'll be some beer for sure. 
And you know what? We'll find out what's on a stick. Thank Just you. for you. Thank you so much. We've got a very special guest today. We'd like to welcome Manuela Nielsen to the show. Manuela is an Australian representative for the Chile Tourism Board and is a Chilean native. Manuela, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And and can you tell us a little bit about the fact that you used to work as a travel operator in Chile? Yeah, of course. Um, I used to actually, I started as a tour guide. Yes. Um, so when I was around 17 and I actually, you know, sort of uh, guided people through the wine valleys, Santiago, Valparaiso. Um, and then I actually sort of evolved and um, was working in reservation and hosted a lot of groups from all over the world. And uh, yeah, I had the chance to actually, you know, visit the most sort of uh, well-known destinations such as, such as Atacama, Patagonia. Uh, we had a really good group from Australia, actually. We went on Cruceros Australis, uh, so we went all the fjords mm-hmm. and, you know, see also all the glaciers. Um, we asked, asked actually for, like, extra beers in the cruise, <laughs> and two days into the cruise, it was all, like, you gone. More extra <laughs> yeah, again, yeah, 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 it was crazy. <laughs> so, yeah. So Chile is incredibly unique country mm. in terms of its, even just its shape, yeah. I mean, it's something like 4,000 kilometres long. You're right. And only 300 kilometres at its wide, at its widest yeah. point. So quite a difficult place to see all of it in one trip. Yeah. What would you recommend to someone who's visiting for their first time? What areas should they focus on? No, totally. Um, what I would like to say as well, like um, I think now obviously Chile is much more accessible. Um, you know, in terms of flight, you can fly there in 13 hours direct, mm-hmm. which is great. So I think I think I would say to people, like, you don't have to do it all in just one trip sure. and try to fit in everything just mm-hmm. in once. You actually can break it down and maybe go like two weeks and then go back and do the south. So in saying that, I think it's really important that people, you know, they have that misconception that you only have to go to South America once oh, and yeah. do everything. Um, you can definitely break it down into two different regions and experiences. Um, but obviously, I would say, you know, the Atacama Desert is quite unique. Um, definitely recommend going there. So once you get to Santiago, it's around two and a half hours by plane. That's and in the northern end of the country? Yes, correct. It's in the north. And it's quite unique because obviously we have the Andes mountain range through the whole country. But in contrast with the desert, you see like the most amazing colors you'll ever see. And I guess it depends on like sort of your interests or, you know, level of fitness because you can do really soft adventure like horseback riding, um, you know, stargazing. Oh, I can't think of anything dreamier than horseback riding. <laughs> it's a, the Chile. desert is, I mean, I guess when what do you, when you think of desert, Julia, what comes to mind? Well, if if you're asking me a straightforward question, you know, yeah. pretty much not a lot of growth, maybe the odd cactus or yeah. some crazy wildflower that's come out somewhere. Yeah. But the, these deserts are mind-blowing in this northern area of Chile. I mean, it's like it's like Salvador Dali came down it's, and went, this is what a desert should look like. You yeah, know, and it's, it's even astonishing. like you would say we do have the driest desert in the world and that's why you have the clear, clear skies, but actually... We do have hot springs in the desert. Mm, yeah. We have lagoons where you can swim yeah. in. Like people don't really realize. Flamingos. Um, flamingos, yeah. yeah. Like so it's really diverse and in terms of landscape and the colors are just stunning. Yeah. So you see the snowy cap mountains, you know, with this desert is like this really unique contrast that you can find anywhere else. And so. against a beautiful blue sky. Mm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So south flats, you know, and and then I think you have all that range of activities of, uh, you know, trekking, or, you know, stargazing. There's so many things to do, like the culture as well. Like there's really old culture. Uh, there's mummies, you know, that you can mm. you go to the archaeological museum. There's plenty of, of things to do. So getting around Chile, you know, we talk about, Ben and I talk about road trips or using the um, local transport but and, and group touring just to make it easier for you and to take you to the special places. Is that is that a consideration as well? Definitely. You have many group touring from Australia. Um, yeah. So if you want to join a group, there's plenty of options to do that and they will take you to the main highlight. So I definitely recommend that option. Um, obviously, as we said, Chile is very long. So yeah. in terms of like saving a bit of time, you know, I recommend flying there. Like there's no point driving all the way. Mm. But yep. in saying that, for example, um, Northern Patagonia or the Astral Highway, um, it's a really interesting place because you can do like a self-drive tour. 
which is great. Like if you like a little bit more adventure, a bit of bit of the bit and track, you don't want anybody, you don't want a group tour and, you know, mm -hmm. a guide everywhere. Like that's a really good location to do it. It's not, um, you know, overcrowded. You have mm -hmm. all the national parks for yourself mm -hmm. and it's quite unique. So can you Definitely tell us a little that. bit about those national parks, particularly the ones in the south? Yeah, actually, um, there's been a really amazing initiative um, happening a few years ago. So it's called the Root of the Parks, and they joined 17 national parks um, wow. in, the, in the south of Chile. Mm -hmm. um, so you can, from northern Patagonia to Cape Horn, actually mm -hmm. visit all of them. And there's like different itineraries and treks that you can do. Um, so it's quite amazing because they created five new national parks to to make this route. Um, so that's interesting. And you have, you know, um, ice fields, you have, you know, forest, you have, you know, such amazing like different landscape through all Patagonia. So it's quite unique. The, the big national park that people might be aware of is the Torres del Paine National Park. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, it's obviously it's very well known. Um, I had the chance to be there a few times mm -hmm. um, and it's incredible. I think it's accessible for all kind of different types of level. You don't have to do the W treks that takes, yeah. yeah, like five days. Mm -hmm. um, you can actually, you know, I've seen people like, actually when I was in with a group tour, um, I decided to stay at the hotel. And then when, you know, they came back, everybody had seen like a puma, oh, like, wow. you know, yeah. crossing the road. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Like that kind of things do happen. And uh, in terms of landscape as well, it's really, really beautiful. It's pretty so. astonishing. You know, we talk about moments, Julia. Yes. So I had one in the Torres del Paine National Park where we trekked, I think we did the W trek yeah. out to um, Glacier Grey. So yeah. we set up camp by this little refugio, a tiny little camping ground, black sand beach in front of a enormous glacier wall, which wow. is bright blue. And, you know, you're just sitting there and icebergs are drifting past or huge chunks of ice are clunking against each other, against the shoreline. And it was just, it was a real pinch me moment. We just kind of went, wow, do, we do, are. Are we, are we aware of icebergs in Chile? Do we think of the two together? I think, um, I think there's a pretty strong connection in that, yep. in, you know, in the Patagonia region yeah. in the yeah. south absolutely yeah there's glaciers all over the place but pretty surreal kind of place to be and yeah. now i think people are also <clears throat> you know there's a bit of a trend to actually um not go in summer where everybody goes actually the season is kind of changed a little bit you can go like in autumn because like may for example like <clears throat> the colors are just stunning yeah. and you know red and more green um there's now people actually going in winter because right. you have like that snowy sort of feeling and you can stay in this beautiful you know boutique hotels with your um chimney in the room mm -hmm. and all of that so i think it, the concept is changing a little bit you don't have to go in high season and, and you certainly summer. don't have to rough it as you say like it exactly can be, yeah. exactly so you can just do patagonia and then maybe go atacama and, yeah, there's many other regions as well. I'm a big winter traveller. I like that idea of, of being there when there are fewer people and it's cosy time and it's easier to travel if you have to rug up as opposed to having to deal with heat yeah. and lots of people. Julie is a very keen skier as well. Is there great skiing opportunities in Chile? Of course. We have the Andes. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> yes. amazing. Mm. Uh, so actually from Santiago, just 90 minutes away, you can access like uh, really good ski resorts. Um, and that's more, I guess, more family oriented. But yeah, you can even heli-ski or ski in volcanoes like there's a range mm -hmm. of options like ski between the forests in the south. Or oh, it sounds absolutely yeah. wonderful. It, There's not too many volcanoes that we ski here in Australia. No, very, <laughs> few, yeah. very few. Yeah, not enough, Julia. Not I know, enough. and skiing yeah. through the forest sounds just wonderful. Of mm. course, skiing the Andes would be just, Yeah, I bet it would create some moments. And then. also amazing wine country. I'm feeling you, Chile, <laughs> yeah, need together. to be a thing. Yeah. 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 Tell us about the wine country and the wines. Yeah, of course. Um we are a wine country, definitely. So most of the wine is, it's the more traditional wineries are in the Central Valley. So even in Santiago, you find really old wineries from the 1800s, just 30 to 40 minutes away. So you can easily do a half day tour or a full day tour. Um, but then if you're more into wine and, you know, want to have a sort of more immersive wine experience, like <laughs> definitely the Colchagua Valley, it's amazing. It's three and a half hours south of Santiago. And it's very traditional. Um, it's a small valley, but it's really pretty with a lot of little hills and lots of boutique hotels. Um, hmm. So you would have at least 10 options of uh, really beautiful boutique hotels. And, and there's a lot of new experiences like make your own wine. 
um, you know, bike and have your own picnics in the winery. Um, there's plenty of options to do that. So definitely recommend. And also the wine has changed a little bit. Like the new trend is also to go further south for cooler wines, sort of imitating a little bit like the New Zealand mm -hmm. Um, you know, culture. So yeah, it's very interesting what's happening with wine. There's a big sort of um, natural wine movement as well happening at the moment. So yeah. And if you don't have the chance to go to the wine valley, you can always go to, a, you know, a wine bar in Santiago. There's plenty that would of do. options. Yeah. <laughs> that would be okay. It's ticking a lot of boxes. Can I ask them. you, while we're talking about uh, glaciers offshore a little bit now, Easter Island, mm -hmm. close by, uh, you can just go across from Chile's at the, is that and, and you are for, very familiar with Easter Island. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, um, actually it's uh, the most remote island mm. in the world mm -hmm. or the most remote place in the world. It takes you five hours uh, flight to get to Easter Island from Santiago. And I think that's what makes it really unique because you have, you know, this unique Polynesian culture. Yes. Um, it's the only place in the world that you can find the Moai statues. Which is uh, astonishing, right? Astonishing. They're over four metres high. And wow. What is it like to see them the first time? Yeah. I bet that's a moment. Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's definitely is. You, you can't really understand, you know, um, how they put it up and it's just mesmerising. Yes. Like it's really incredible and all what they represented as well and protection and so yeah i think it's unique you know it's a unesco world heritage site and how they got there have they worked that out yet did they well they say you know they cut the trees and somehow they it. push it with mechanics yeah. but once once you see them you, mm. you can't really understand mm -hmm. um so it's really in the, interesting because you can go to where they carve the wise and see like the wise that are still in the ground uh, and how they sort of not yet oh, finished. Wow. yeah so wow. that's that's really interesting there's over 800 wise around the island so um it's quite amazing so when we talk about moments which is what we do quite often you know one special thing that stands out and be, and been there on the black sand looking at the glaciers um what would there be that stands out specifically one single thing for you when you were there? That's a hard question. Uh, I think I have a few moments. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I would say like, for example, I have a story in Patagonia and Torres del Paine. So I was actually uh, driving and I got a little bit out of the road. So actually I had to spend the night uh, in the car <laughs> and um, yeah, Thankfully, I was like, you know, really, I had all the equipment and everything, so it was fine. But yeah, in the morning, it was like the most amazing, you know, the sunrise and and you just see all the colors and, you know, the towers and you're there by yourself. And yeah, I would say that's like one one really amazing moment. And, um, and also, I would say, for example, the Atacama Desert, uh, just the stars are like incredible. Uh, you know, you just, you can just see everything and... <sighs> And being They're there, beautiful. And, and yeah, there's many tours now you can take and mm. do like astro tourism, and it, it's becoming really popular. But ah. yeah, the just that immensity of you know nature. Um, what else? Yeah, there's another one um, in close to Pucon. We have a hot spring called uh, Termas Geometricas or Geometrical Hot Springs, and it's this hot spring. So you have like a beautiful waterfall with cold water, but then surrounded you have like forty different pools with all different temperatures. Mm. So mm -hmm. it's incredible because you can just, you know, like go one and try the mm. different. And if you get a bit too hot, you go to the waterfall. Mm. You find the Goldilocks pool. Right? Wow. It's just amazing. Just you right. can't believe, I think that's the thing, like nature is is just so impressive and we have those old trees and old forests that I haven't seen here, for example. Um, mm. I've been to Tasmania and like I love nature and I do a lot of treks, but that that old huge trees and being in the forest and there's no one around is just a feeling like you can't really explain. So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's worrisome for me, Ben. I can see you looking at me, going, "Ha ha, I've been there yeah. and you haven't." <laughs> I'm trying to work out when I can go back. That's, yes, I know. <laughs> it, it's yeah. what is the population of Chile? It's quite similar to Australia, so I would say around yeah, twenty five million. million. And yeah. size wise, though, sort of New South Wales ish, oh, as big as Queensland, lengthwise. Yes, a, yeah. I'm not yeah. sure, but yeah, I mean, the ability to go from the Andes to the ocean, yes, yeah, within a couple of hours, yeah, is pretty crazy. You know, you can be skiing and surfing probably. You can do that, same yeah. Day. yeah. So, so Manuela, if there was one thing that you could say to our listeners. 
that brings chili even more alive than what you've just been saying that makes them want to just get up right now and book a trip? What would mm-hmm. it be? I would say, um, as I said, to take the time to spend actually more time with the locals and if you can actually match it with a festivity, yep. that's the most like you get the most out of it because you can see like the real people and people celebrating and we're really warm. You know, we're very welcoming people. So if you can celebrate with us, uh, I think that's, you know, you'll have the b- biggest gift. So, you know, we have the wine festivals in March all around Santiago and, and the south. La Tapati, you know, in Easter Island in February. Um, in September, we have our national celebration or independency. Um, so that's a really another like good moment because everybody goes out and celebrates and have, you know, barbecues and and parties. So there's a few, I would say, festivals that, you know, if you can have a chance, um, definitely. And where do we find out about them? On the the Chile tourism website? Exactly. So we have our website called chile.travel and you'll find all the festival and all the information there. And if you miss a festival, you can always go to a soccer match <laughs> and really see what the people are all about. Yeah, it's, it's Or awesome. if you miss yeah. the soccer match, you yeah. can go to a restaurant and eat something. Or exactly. just yeah, drink some yes. wine and watch it on the telly. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Or just the restaurant. <laughs> some of us can let the soccer go, Ben, and enjoy the, the scenery. Yeah, I'll just look wine. at the scenery. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Manuela, thank you. Would you like just to say again where we can find information about Chile? Sure, you can go into the website chile.travel and then you'll have all the information about festival, like the key destinations, what to do, how to get there and everything. Absolutely wonderful. Muchas gracias, Manuela. De nada. <laughs> Hasta la próxima vez. Thank you so much again for coming in. Thank you. Um, Julia, when are we off? Well, oh, Ben, you know that, <laughs> on the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Manuela, thank you. Gracias. Listen, we've got David Stevens Castro back to the show. How exciting. Yes, I know. Isn't Mm. that good? Oh, listen, I love your language. (laughs) David, of course, is an award-winning sommelier who specialises in food and wine pairing. Mm. David was born and bred in Chile and is here to tell us all about Chilean food with the wines. David, welcome back. Hi there. David, I had some very memorable meals in Chile, Um, incredible uh, salmon way down south around uh, like Puerto Natales, that sort of area. Oh, and wow. Incredible um, shellfish around Chiloé um, mm-hmm. and, you know, other amazing uh, meals. Did, does it really, uh, region by region, do things change significantly in Chile, given how different, say, Patagonia is to the north where you've got the amazing Atacama Desert? Absolutely. You really are spot on in, in, in aligning the the geography and topography of the country and the produce that you will find. Uh, you have mentioned the very south there, mm-hmm. which is uh, probably what's most known for a lot of people, for the ice fields mm-hmm. and for the Carretera Austral, as well as Torres del Paine, which attract a lot of interest internationally. Mm-hmm. Uh, but indeed, uh, where, where the most of the resources are is in the Central Valley, where you will find all the fruit and vegetables. And this is what I'm saying about using all corn and cereals. It's very strong in the sort of Central Valley and towards the north of Chile, mm-hmm. as well as all the families of potatoes there from the Andes. And, and seafood. Seafood is, we are blessed to have the humble corn coming from the Antarctica all the way through to up to Peru, which brings an amazing resource of seafoods there that uh, goes all along and it reaches also in the north where basically there is no access to uh, the food and vegetables that the Central Valley has due to the Atacama Desert that you just mentioned, Mm. which is indeed the driest on earth. Mm -hmm. So basically all the population lives close to the sea and the coastline there. And that's the reason why there is very good access to amazing seafood there. But all the other fruit and vegetables has to come up from the Central Valley and cross all the Atacama Desert to get mm-hmm. there. So when a, when a traveller 
goes into Chile, what what should they absolutely try? What they should absolutely try, um, I'll say, I mean, one of my ultimate favorites is is the umitas, which is um, a native South American dish, basically from pre-Hispanic times. And it's, it's served all through South America. It does not belong only to Chile, but also find Argentina, Bolivia. And basically, it's this sort of, um, it's a savory dish. Uh, it's a steamed uh, fresh corn cakes. And then you have freshly ground corn, onion, garlic. But the most interesting thing is that goes inside of the corn husk. And this oh. goes to a steamed. So basically, this comes all steaming, all hot, right? When yeah. you open up, and then some people put butter on top to this uh, basically uh, fresh corn cake that is already steaming like a paste. Some people put butter, some people from uh, sugar. Myself, I go and put chopped tomatoes with uh, onion, uh, green, green peppers on top and mix it all up. I found that that's a very uplifting way of eating and uh, the, the blending with the, the corn mash with the chili and the tomato is just so summery. Yeah, we're all nodding here. Yeah. That sounds pretty. Yeah, umitas pretty is, is, and this is also is what is called tamales ah, in okay. Mexico. Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, it's that essentially. But what happens is it changes the breeds of the corn. So still you will have one, a Mexican one, best a Chilean one. It will taste a bit different. It's, they are made exactly the same, but they taste a little bit different. But um, you will find these people selling on the street, people make them home, or you will go to a very boutique plus place and we also have umitas. So it's, the offer is endless. <laughs> so I'm going to ask you again then, because what, what we like to hear is a simple recipe that you can make at home from the particular area, and in this instance, is the is the umitas. Uh, what umitas? Yeah, what we should be making. So can you spell umitas so we can pronounce it correctly? Yeah, umitas. So it's H U M I T A S. Umitas, yes. Umitas, umitas. So it's a savory steamed corn paste that is all rolled up in the husk of the corn. So how do you and how do you make the paste just quickly? So basically the paste you have to freshly grind the corn. Yes. And then mix it up with onion, garlic, eggs and cream so that then it's this mushy thing and that <laughs> mushy you will it's like it becomes this uh, puree almost that then you put it in the husk and tie it all up. And that goes into the steamer, which is boiling, and you have them there like in ten minutes. So, that's, so you, you that you have that inside the husk instead of the corn. And are that's you right. you grating the corn when it's raw? When it's raw, yes. that is correct. Yeah, God, that would be it's, it. Would be really nice. What would you uh, match it with uh, in a glass, David? Well, I always find that uh, because I, I use chile a lot and lots of people use chile a lot, uh, a Sauvignon Blanc always is fantastic with uh, the bell peppers because they, they have that synergy and that flavor and that aroma. And lots of Sauvignon Blancs have that green bell pepper itch. Mm-hmm. I found that in particular with this sort of very summery uh, and fresh uplifting flavor, as well as the tomato, which is quite acidic, and the onion that the, the pastry has. Uh, the, the puree has of the corn, it, it really enhances the experience with Sauvignon Blanc and makes it fresher as well. Nice. Can you um, tell us uh, or describe a, a couple of other popular uh, mains and desserts in Chile? Well, I cannot go past all the empanadas, oh, which is yes. which are, <laughs> are amazing. Uh, this is a type of baked or, or Fried turnover consisting of the pastry mm. and filling. Uh, commonly, also in Latin America, this is also a dish that crosses frontiers and countries. Mm. But uh, it comes from Spain, uh, the verb of empanar, which is basically embreaded. Mm-hmm. Ah, so this is a uh, nice thing to learn. They, they, they usually fill with ground beef mixture, and this can be baked or fried, and they normally have this triangle uh, shape most of the time. Um, and then inside of this, the, the, what is it? The filling is called or this ground beef mixture, which has paprika as well as the beef mince. You have to actually make it 
a day in advance of actually doing all the pastry because the pino, which is the name of this uh, paste, has to really get soaked all the flavors and make it in the mix cold because otherwise it damages the pastry and then it breaks out and leaves all the juices out. So it's very important, this part. So for all those listeners, <laughs> if you're going to make empanadas, there is not go and make empanadas. The pino is first, and that has to start 12 hours before a day before so that then it really retains the juices when you're eating it. Very important. So when you eat it and then coming out of the oven, the juice stays in there and does not damage the empanada or breaks out. It's a very, so very good important. Tip. Very good tip. Hey, what about it's, desserts and sweets? Um, yeah, it's not huge the variety for for sweets and desserts, but I'd say that um, leche asada, which is essentially like a more rustic way of creme brulee. Mm, yeah. It's uh, it's it's kind of easy as well as uh, common thing, so you you will find that uh, most common places and even like a little cafe or a small middle of a restaurant will have this dessert. So it's common thing that people finish us with or the executive lounge that they are in a kind of two course setup. So this is a common dessert, which is essentially a rustic creme brulee, and then I'll say. Motegon Wesillo. And Motegon Wesillo, it's, it's a very, very unique uh, traditional summer type drink. It's more than also, it could be used as a dessert, but also as a non-alcoholic beverage. Ah, because, yeah. yeah, it's fantastic. So you will find this sold in the streets or vendors' cards. It's actually uh, an non-alcoholic beverage, uh, which is sweet, clear, nectarine-like liquid mixed with uh, dry peaches, cooking sugar, water, and cinnamon. And then once it's cool, you put the fresh cooked husk wheat. So it's this uh, really nice, um, cool drink that you will have in summer. Wow. It's also very, very unique to Chile, that one. And you will find it in, in, you know, in the markets, or there will be a store that there is a line full of these stores, one side by side. So it's a very Chilean experience, that one. Your favourites, David, in Chile, What when, when, when you're there or even when you're here, what do you like to eat most from your wonderful country? Well, I'd say when I'm there, as in particular, I just came back from Chile when they're Two months ago, I was judging there, um, which was fantastic. So I had the opportunity, on top of going judging, I spent one week with my parents yeah. in the south, in Chillán. And this area of, uh, of Chile, which now is a region, officially is a, is a region, politically, is called the region of Nuble. It's got uh, the beautiful Itata Valley there where you will find these amazing bush vines and producing these very ancestral wines. And I found that these wines, they really go well with the small woods that are producing the region. So this part of Chile is, is known the country over as the best producing area for small woods. So people drive long distances to get these small woods from Chilean. There is a beautiful market in the middle of the city and you will find these super rustic uh, butcheries that are sought mm. after by people and get this craft all, almost way of making uh, small woods there. A little bit what happened in the Varosa as well, that there is a small wood culture. Mm. Uh, is the same in Chillán. So you will find this beautiful costillar ahumado or longanizas, which are two of the I wouldn't say that it's costillara umado is that basically that's the pork ribs, the whole rack there. But they what they do, they smoke it with paprika and in a smoke room. And those are delicious. And we normally have uh, the longanizas, which is essentially chorizos, mm -hmm. but not as spicy and with the paprika also and the and the meat. The, basically, what makes the quality of the longanisa is the amount of meat that is being added, not fat only. So the the, the recipe of the, the pastry that goes with it with the paprika is important. 
but also the amount of meat that goes with it in the small wood. So those little things are very important for, for people from Chillanejos. That's the name of the people that lives in Chillan. That's who I am. I'm a Chillanejo mm -hmm. because I was from there. Mm. And those small goods and these delicious meats coming from the craft uh, butcheries, I found that with the wines from the region are fantastic, particularly with Pais, which is um, a, a wine that almost uh, is totally coming back into fashion when it's being pulled, uh, like a little bit what had happened in the Barossa again with Grenache, that in history they tried people, the government was paying for people to pull the vines. The same happened in Chile with this grape variety, get most of the novel grape varieties in. They pull this uh, old grape variety, but now there are some relic vineyards that in a way becomes this fashion of drinking this old ancestral wine, wow. which... I found absolutely amazing uh, matching with the small goods from the region. Gosh, it sounds like we're off to Qian, Julia. That's what I head down south. Yeah, amazing, amazing. Because and, there, yeah. this you really need to be there to to know this one because Qian is not well known for this sort of thing. Is more known for the ski center. There is a really good ski center close by, uh, which is called the Native Forest Oak. Snowing, amazing. It's absolutely gorgeous there. But you get, sometimes people get carried away with that and never go and visit the market, for mm. instance. Thank you, David, that you've taken us on a really, um, really delicious journey, actually. I think it's um, high time we dashed off for some empanadas, some umitas, and some small goods from the south. Beyond um, the Taste Bud Traveller podcast, where can our listeners find more about you, David? Thank you very much. Well, you can find me in Per Media, which is my website. So it's per-media.com.au. Or you can find me also on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. And basically it's at David Stevens Castro. That's my name, full. And you will find me on Instagram, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter. But all the links are in the website. So if you just write Paired Media, we pop up there and you've got all the links to reach me out. David, thank you. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you very much. Thanks, David. Bye. Peace. Ciao. Okay, your favourite subject, Ben, let's talk about wine. Chilean, oh, wine. Okay. And, yeah. yes, <laughs> we're going to talk about Chilean wine today mm. and we are delighted to welcome to the studio sommelier Dennis Roman. Now, Dennis, I'm really sorry, Dennis Roman, <laughs> because if it's Chilean wine, that's what you have to be pronounced as. Uh, Is that how you say it yourself, Dennis Roman? Uh, Dennis Roman. There you go. Uh, who, uh, well, if you wish. Um, thank sorry you. to disappoint with my well, accent. Uh, Dennis Roman, no, you're going to have to speak a little Chilean for us mm. after. But Dennis studied the art of wine in Chile and works with the Chilean wine through his company, Senses at Wine Company. Dennis. Gracias, gracias for joining us. De nada, and gracias a ustedes. Bienvenidos. <laughs> muy bien, muy bien. Oh, Ben always Mucho starts gusto. with his yes Spanish. Go, off you go, Ben. You no, can, I'm done. You're yeah. done. <laughs> Give us an overview of it's Chilean bastante. wine, Dennis. Uh, okay. Because this so, is going to be really interesting if we can keep Ben quiet. Because yeah, I think, well, I think Australians know a little bit about Chilean wine, but you know, we're hoping you take us on a real journey. Yeah, well, look, I guess, um, uh, yeah, with Chilean wine is, uh, um, you know, we, th we think uh, uh, going back a few decades, um, Chilean wine um, uh, has made a bit of a name uh, for being that uh, good value um, product, um, that uh, uh, cheap and safe uh, product to go for, especially with the reds. Mm -hmm. um, huge market, uh, um, US and UK and uh, Asia in terms of exports. Uh, Chile, Chileans, uh, the Chilean wine industry has um, has always been quite proud of uh, uh, their um, uh, their export sales. Um, always uh, been well over their um, their dom domestic sales. What um, the major winemakers producing? What styles of wines? And where are the main wine growing? regions in Chile? So um, Chile's, uh, you know, we, 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 I love uh, 
um, always mentioning that w- when we referenced Chile, uh, uh, Santiago is our our, um, our our main um, sort of point of reference there, where we say uh, uh, north, south, uh, mm-hmm. east, or west, and um, uh, from Santiago going south. Um, 400 kilometers or so it's, it's, is what we call the Central Valley. Uh, that's uh, definitely the um, the bulk of, of the production for Chile. Um, uh, but heading north and, and, and um, uh, uh, again going about 400 kilometers north, um, we can also see um, a lot of uh, uh, different wine regions that have um, – um, have been making a bit of a name for themselves. And those two regions are quite different climatically? It does change. Um, heading north, um, it, uh, it gets drier. Um, it uh, gets that more desert uh, feel, um, which makes you think it will get um, hotter and, and, and become a really warm region. Um, but something really interesting happens in a, in a – um, in an area called um, the Limari region, where um, the coastal mountain range drops to its um, its lowest um, um, uh, altitude, uh, and it's uh, quite heavily influenced by the ocean, um, hmm. by the cool ocean breeze. So uh, it is four hundred kilometers north of Santiago. However, considered a really cool climate, and uh. has um, has made a bit of a name for um, white varietals and um, Pinot Noir and. Uh, cool climate Shiraz. Exciting. So if you're in Chile, what wine should you absolutely order? Wow. Um I think um I think reds always is 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 kind of what uh Chile's um uh most famous for. Uh oof, I think um Or is there a classic food and wine? Pairing? Like, is there? Yes. What is that? Right. Is there? I think. Yeah. I think I'll. I'll. I'll I'm. I'm going to stick with Carmen Air. I think. Uh, I think Carmen Air has a great story. Um, uh, a long lost, uh, believed to be extinct variety mm-hmm. um, from that that um, originates from Bordeaux and and was discovered only in the nineties. Um, that it was all over Chile. Um, and uh, after a few teething errors there at the back end of the 90s, uh, we really do start seeing some great versions in the early 2000s of this variety. Um, and food pairings, it's a good question, Ben, of yours. Hmm. What would what, you pair with a Carmen Air? Yeah, yeah um, what would you pair with a Carmen Air? <laughs> so uh, Carmen Air is a, um, a medium medium weight red. I think it, it can reach medium plus. Um, it has a lot of uh, Sweet notes on it, and in terms of um, uh, not necessarily sugar sweet uh, on the palate. Uh, however, it's uh, um, sweet aromatics, uh, sweet vegetal. Um, it is quite soft. I love using three classic varietals to 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 explain Carmenere. I always say the the silky tannins of Syrah, um, the sweetness of Merlot, and um, the fruit profile of Cabernet Sauvignon. And when I think about food. Um, and when I think about Chilean food, which is quite heavy on the sweet front, um, uh, Ch- Chilean food has always been, um, uh, uh, I guess, dr- driven by um, uh, vegetables like uh, pumpkin, corn, uh, beetroot, potatoes, um, lots of onion um, that can give us those sweet notes. And um, I just love how Carmen Air works with, uh, for example, a, a, a pork uh Dish uh, pork and some sort of sweet garnish, and hopefully if there can be some little touch of a uh, a little touch of beetroot there somewhere. I, I just think, um, yeah, Carmen air pork. What do you think, Julia? Potato, oh. some Sorry. sort of beetroot, no. amazing. Sounding like another invitation to Chile. Yeah. Um, how easy is it to find Chile wines here? Getting easier. Um, uh, I think uh, if I had to recommend um, uh, searching for Chilean wine out there, um, uh, be adventurous and, and 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 search for those independent retailers. I think the independent retailers are doing a great job at um, wow. um, getting these uh, um, uh, new versions, this this sort of new wave of Chilean wine out there. Um, alongside with 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 having some classics on the shelf. You speak Chilean. Is it the proper thing to do to call it Chilean? 
I go with Chilean, yeah, yeah. I, I as a, as a Chilean that um, uh, grew up in Sydney, I um, uh, we always referenced uh, the country as as Chile and and, and ourselves as Chileans. Um, I know it's a, it's quite a it's quite a thing these days to say Chile and, and Chileans. And, um, and is it not correct to do that? It's Chilean. I don't know if there's a if there's a correct or or there's a there's a wrong Choice. there. Um, no one but, will be offended. Um, no, no one will be offended. I think it's come from, from maybe from um, uh, from the US, perhaps. So, then yeah. I'm going to ask you if you could invite us to take a drink of Chilean wine with you in Chilean. In Chilean, bueno. Eh, me gustaría invitarlos a tomarse una copa de vino conmigo, por favor, que está muy bueno. Lo vamos a compartir en buenos tiempos y con una buena empanada. Por supuesto, sí. Gracias. I just added the, the, uh, the empanada to go with that red wine. <laughs> Thank you very much. Where can we find out more information from what you've been telling us today? Where do we find you? Look, um, I have a, a, a wine company um, which um, is predominantly about uh, wholesale, so supplying to um, restaurants and wine bars and um, a few of these independent retailers. Um, I have a website which is um, Um Otherwise, follow me on Instagram, censorsatwineco, and uh, you'll be able to see what, uh, what we're up to. And listeners, jump into the show notes. You'll find all that information there. Thanks, Thanks so very much, much, Dennis. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Brilliant. Brilliant. Ben, you know what? This is just such a wonderful pastime, sitting here and talking about it. Not quite as good as going, but however. It's up there. Uh, it is, isn't it? Mm. Enough to fill the travel soul, I mm-hmm. have to say. So um, I totally enjoy it. Thank you for all your information no too. I love nothing more than a good bit of travel natter. Me too. Mm. Yes. Mm. And you're good at it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah. And listeners, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and uh, tell your friends and family all about Taste by Traveller. And we love hearing from you. So be sure to leave comments wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, we look forward to taking you on another journey soon. See you later, Ben. Ciao. And listeners, bye.